Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. This is Season 1, Episode 13. In this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Charles Hugh Smith, who's a, an author, blogger, podcaster, and of course, a gardener. Charles has written several books on jobs, the changing economy, political systems, educational system, and a ton of other topics. Charles began his blog, OfTwoMinds.com, in 2005, and he's often featured on ZeroHedge.com, The American Conservative, and Chris Martinson's Peak Prosperity. I really enjoyed our conversation. We discussed gardens, tribalism, jobs, mincome, healthy lifestyle, sustainable lifestyles, and a ton of other topics. Really want to thank Drew Sample for setting up the opportunity to talk with Charles. Drew and Charles have a regular podcast over on the samplehour.com. So if you want to hear more about Charles and his philosophies and thoughts, head over there and listen to their podcast. They're very good. Before we get started with the podcast today, I'd like to talk about Friends of the Small Scale Life podcast. Our friend Jason Dolan is telling his story as he transitions from an urban suburban life to starting a homestead in the country. He's doing this on his blog, condo to compound.blogspot.com. In this blog, Jason is taking us on his journey through his thoughts, ideas, plans, and actions. We'll see and learn firsthand as he shares his progress, successes, and failures. So if you're thinking about moving out to the city and starting your own rural home or homestead, check out Jason's story at condotocompound.blogspot.com. Friend number two of the Small Scale Life podcast is Drew Sample and Scott Hebert at thesamplehour.com. Drew and Scott's weekly podcast is all about the successes and failures with their urban farming operations in Canada and Ohio. Their podcast is called Failing Forward, the Profitable Urban Farming Podcast. They discuss what they have completed, what is and isn't working, and what they plan to accomplish over the following week on their urban farms. They talk, they laugh, they sing, and they take their shirts off, whatever they need to do to fail forward and win at life. And finally, we have local author Aaron Clary from CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com. He has just released a new book titled Reconnaissance Man. In this book, Aaron recommends that young men and women take time after high school to explore the country, find out who they are, where they belong, and what they want out of life. Become a reconnaissance man or woman. It's easier, much more fun, and it's how life was meant to be lived. This book is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Now, without further delay, here is the Small Scale Life Podcast. This is Tom from the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm really excited to talk with our guest today. We are talking with Charles Hugh Smith, who is the writer and the genius behind the Of Two Minds blog. This blog is number seven in CNBC's top alternative financial sites, and it's republished on a number of popular sites such as Zero Hedge, Financial Sense, and David Stockham's Contra Corner. He's a frequent guest on the on the Sample Hour podcast with Drew Sample, and you we've had Drew Sample here. He's a great guest, and he recommended us to Charles, and Charles agreed to be on the show. So I want to say thank you for accepting our invitation, and welcome to the show, Charles. I'm uh, very appreciative of the invitation, Tom, and I'm looking forward to talking about small scale life because right. that's the that's the solution. <laughs> that's the solution to global problems i like that i like that a lot um i'm glad you're here because i know you've done a lot of deep thinking about some of the big problems and everything but 
We'll start. We'll start small. We'll start in the garden. Um, but first, I want you to. I'm hoping that you'll tell us a little bit about yourself. I kind of gave the uh, the highlights, but uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, and I hope I won't uh, be too boring no, because okay. I, I've had I've had a very uneventurous life. And oh. I, I'm the first to say that, and so um, I think what I think might be of interest in terms yeah. of our conversation about gardening and um, and solutions is um, I, I when I. I went to university, I was extremely interested in um, a completely, you know, um, abstract and, and, and uh, economically worthless topic, which is philosophy. Oh. Um, but at, as I worked my way through college, I, I, I did so in the construction industry. And so I sort of did two degrees. Sure. One, I got a credential, like a philosophy degree, but, but I got all this practical training in construction that um, led me to become a um, small uh, builder. And uh, so I was a builder, a contractor uh, for many years. And then I developed, uh, I wanted to develop uh, my other interest in writing. So I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area and um, started freelancing. And then eventually that led to um, me starting the blog and writing mostly about housing in the in, in the 2005 2006 time frame. Oh wow! I, just before the bubble, and yeah. then uh, then I kind of broadened out into finance. And so, you know, my books. Um, what I find interesting, and what I try to explore in my books, is my my sort of interest in philosophy. Kind of it, it philosophy kind of teaches you to think things through oh, sure. um, with a bit of rigor, and yeah. and um, to look for underlying assumptions and look for. Uh, structures that that may not be entirely visible or conscious, right? And then, um, but I was always a practical person, like doing construction and, and gardening and and um, uh, you know fixing my own bike and car and all that kind of good stuff. And so, I I I like to connect those two because I I don't think they're uh, at all, um, although they appear to be completely separate. Uh, like, what's my little um, home garden got to do with um, abstract you know problems of the whole world and actually they they actually do have a lot to do with a each lot. other I, absolutely i totally agree with you on that <laughs> yeah. and so that that's that to me is fascinating yeah. uh, because a lot of people you know that i think readers and also a lot of us you know we're we're tempted to just say well i can't deal with that problem it's too it's yeah. too large too large scaled um it's yeah. too abstract and um, and actually, a lot of you know, like solutions abound, but they're at the very local level, and they they do require a lot of work. I mean, there's nothing easy about a real solution. It's no. always going to take a lot of trial and error, a lot of failure, a lot of capital, and and a lot of hard work. So, uh, but if you're willing to do that stuff, then then you get um, you know outsized rewards. <laughs> like oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's it's interesting because you know I gave you a little bit of my background. I kind of got on a ramble uh, in an email to you. Um, you know, I I started this gardening journey journey. We'll call it. Sounds so weird, but I started gardening back in 2008. You know, right after the crash. Um, you know, and this similar kind of thing. And I was a manager at an engineering company in a branch office and laying people off, and it was a really depressing thing. But just having that stress relief, you know, kind of like Jack Spurko talks about, he just came home and he had to water the garden, just tune out, decompress, you know, and then we had Chicago traffic to deal with too, which is a whole nother, well, you you live out in the West Coast, you know what that is. It was just a way to decompress, but um, like I was telling another writer, he was he had this tomato plant that was just all over the place, and I said, you know, pruning your tomato is kind of like life, you know, you're taking off the suckers, you know, that 
that weird little branch that comes up between the stem and the arm, you know, in the armpit, and it's it's drawing off energy. And then the side stems, the down low branches, they're just drawing energy off the, the stem and and the growing tip and and the fruit. You know, you got to cut that stuff out sometimes. It's kind of like yeah, it's a Zen thing. You know, <laughs> there are always ties to that. Yeah, and you know, Tom, when I um, read your email, yeah. I was I was thinking that um, you know one of the like sort of large scale problems that we have in, in um, modern life and in, in the developed world is, you know, people are extremely alienated from all the things that um, we are actually naturally selected to do, mm. which is like tend plants, tend um, animals yeah. and um, walk a lot um, mm-hmm. and, and, and work within groups, you yeah. know, cooperate with others and, um, in what um, author Sebastian Junger just wrote this book called Tribe, right, which yeah. is mostly based on his experience in in the U.S. military where um, guys feel such loyalty and, and meaning and purpose in their life, mm-hmm. uh, even if they're fighting uh, a, a really treacherous, uh, ugly war in, in, in Afghanistan. And then when they come home to the United States, which is supposed to be this, like, you know, perfect life of, you know, you know we're all, like, wonderful um, consumers with all this security and all these, you know, goods and services at our beck and call, they feel uh, a complete loss of meaning, of purpose. They feel um, alienated. They, they're prone to PSD, um, you know. PTSD, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and depression. And it's partly, it's not just from their combat experience, but they miss the, the unit cohesion and the purpose that they had in their unit. And you come back to the United States and it's like everybody's this atomized, sort of alienated person who sits in their car, you know, commuting to some job that they don't really care about. And then they don't really have a sense of community at work because people are always laid off, fired, you're moved around, um, or you've got to, you've got to quit and move on if you want to further your career. And so, um, and people don't have any life skills anymore. I mean, in other words, like this thing we're talking about where you yeah. put your hands in the dirt and you're, yeah. you're tending something that, that is, um, like a, like I, I worry about my trees. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got a lemon tree and a peach tree and I right. spent a lot of time like trying to figure out, okay, what is, what does this guy need? You know, like how can I, um, enhance this, this trees, um, doing what it wants to do, which is, you know, grow and put out fruit. But it needs to be, as you say, it needs to be uh, cut back at times and it might need fertilizer or more or less water. I mean, you know, it's it's on this whole sort of symbiotic relationship with, yeah. with stuff that's growing and we feel um, – and so I want to mention that as, as a key element of what I picked up from your experience, that you, you, you sort of reconnected with what we're – selected to do and, and it's very rewarding because it's it's like that fundamental connection we have with growing things helping things and and harvesting things and then cooking yeah. them right you know from like from garden to table five minutes later it's in your it's in your frying pan or yeah. walk and it's like yeah yeah <laughs> there's nothing quite like it you know? i know it's, i know i've got some sugar snap peas out there that i'm going yeah baby i'm getting them yeah here they come um and i'm really excited about that and you know when the tomatoes are growing up and getting taller it's like yeah it's gonna they're coming soon in our experience my house uh we just went went through that exact same thing that you were just talking about with soldiers coming back from Afghanistan. My, my oldest, he was, um, he was in uh, the big red one and, uh, went over there doing really well out, out at Fort Knox, uh, with that unit. And they came back and they decommissioned the whole unit. And he got sent with some guys out to Fort Carson to a whole new unit, whole new existence. This unit was run by tankers and he's an in infantry and then there's a veteran that it was a disaster. I mean, 
just that whole loss of tribe, that whole loss of your battle buddies, the guys you've been through some really weird stuff with, and it did not go well. It did not go well at all. And uh, that was my 2015 is is trying to find him because he was gone and uh, uh, he was AWOL. And, I, and we did find him and he's doing well now, got out of the army and everything. But man, it was a disaster. And it was, wow. Yeah, that whole sense of loss, that whole sense of you were on top of a mountain, you know, um, getting a letters of accommodation to being the bottom of the dog pile was not good. And, and uh, you know, we see that all around us. You know, these people have worked for a company for 20 years and they come in, you're done. Today you're done. Here's your box. See you later. Um, you know, don't talk to anybody as you walk out the door. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's a weird world we live in. Yeah, yeah, Tom. Well, I'm sorry to hear that about yeah. your son. And I, um, I have a lot of, for whatever reason, I'm not really sure why, I have a lot of veteran and retired uh you know, U.S. Armed mm-hmm. Forces readers. So I, I, I mean, I get reader stories of just how bizarre um, yeah. wartime is. And I don't mean getting uh, in combat. That's that's one experience, kind of the tip of the spear. But I had a, um, I have guys that are like, um, you know, lieutenant commanders, you know, yeah. or equivalent yeah. in the Navy. Yep. And they got they got sent to Afghanistan. Yeah. It's like I don't remember what ocean Afghanistan's on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <But> I know. <laughs> and it's like, so talk about disorientation. Oh, you know, yeah. you're suddenly attached to some, you know, unit that it's it's not even in your branch. Yeah, uh, yep. and, and then and then you're handed like an M16 that you know you you last shot when you were in basic training yes. as a 19 year old or something. Right. <laughs> and it's like, did they really have to send this guy? That's it's a naval officer to Afghanistan. It's like, well, you don't you don't ask questions, and and that's not just the military. It's it's the corporate life too. Yes, exactly don't ask right. questions. Don't ask questions. Yeah, and you're powerless. You know, you want to go out on your own, then you have power. But if you go out on your own, um, you know, it's a hard, cold world. You know, find a customer, getting people to pay you to do anything. Yes, and that's um, and so. Anyways, to me, that's one of the losses of, of modern American life is it's become so difficult to be independent, mm-hmm. and it, it used to be um, the the default. Yeah, that's right? exactly right. Yeah, yes, it absolutely was. Yeah, go out and here's my forty or one hundred and twenty, and I'm clear cutting or cutting this stuff down, and we're planting, and I got my cow and my kids and my wife, and this is built my own house i mean it's crazy it's uh we're, we've we've gone a long way for, away from that <laughs> which right. which you know there's good and bad with that too so yeah and yeah. i would say independent could include um uh you know running a mechanic shop yes. yourself the, yes. the, the town cafe yes. um nowadays um you know your your individual uh, web designer mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of technical work that can be done um by you know either an individual or uh, yeah. by a small firm, but but it's it's um so expensive. It is and it it's is. risky, and so you know most people just go, wow, you know I've got a, I've got kids to support, or mm-hmm. um you know a mortgage, and I, I I just can't take that risk, and so then they they lose um, they basically trade their autonomy or and what we call agency, meaning like um, the ability to make your own decisions and. Um, and, and have complete autonomy, you know, you, you trade your autonomy and agency for the security of a position. But yes. that's a trade-off um, that I know is very um, – it's hard to get – it's hard not to make that trade-off, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's kind of like gardening, you know. Like I, I know we're kind of uh, going back to that. But to me, it's like 
you know, so many people, and, and I, I live in a university town most of the year, which is here in Berkeley, University of California at Berkeley, a very large campus. You've oh, got, yes. Oh, absolutely. You've got, <laughs> you've got, you've got huge universities in, in, in the um, Twin Cities. Absolutely. Um, most college kids, um, now these are the brightest of the bright, right? Mm-hmm. Top 10, um, you know, public university, blah, blah, blah. Uh, very smart, uh, very dedicated, you know, really hardworking. Most of them don't know, um, like they've never seen a, a green bean plant. They can't identify a tomato. They, they have no, absolutely zero knowledge of where their food comes from. And oh, most yeah. of them have very poor cooking skills, like oh, yes. if any. If any, yes. Yeah. And so these are, to me, basic uh, skills sort of akin to walking on two, you know, on, on two feet. You know, I mean, it's kind of like if you can't do these basic life functions, then you're trading away a huge amount of not only your health, but your autonomy and, and the, the richness of your life. You oh, know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got two boys. One's about, well, one's going out of the military now, and the other one's going to go to college next year. And, and yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a constant thing that's running through my mind. And, again, it's why I started blogging in 2014. You know, I wasn't really into gardening until 2008, and I was like, well, gosh, my grandparents did it, and my parents did it, but, you know, uh, I don't remember any of that stuff. What did they even do? How did they even start? And uh, so that's why I started this stuff. And the same thing with, you know, I make my own wine, and, you know, my grandparents did it, but it skipped a generation, and now my brother and I and my brother-in-law are doing it. So where do we start? How do you do that? And and that's kind of why I started the, that's what, that is why I wanted to start blogging and, and did start blogging on small scale gardening. And now at small scale life is, um, you know, to document some of that stuff. So they don't have to, when they finally decide they want to try it, they don't have to, you know, they don't have to search or, or it's, it could be right there. You know, just, it's right there. Just go to dad's site. And this is what he was thinking and why he was thinking what he was thinking. <laughs> so that's kind of why I started. Well, that's great. And yeah. let me ask you, Tom. Yeah. Why, why don't you Why don't you describe what impact your you know your garden had on your diet and and um, what you guys cook and you know what oh, you yeah. do in the kitchen? Oh yeah. The, um, this is uh, you know in my 30s when I was a consultant. Um, you know it was it was fun listening to Jack Spurko because I can relate to his story as well. I mean. Um, you know, it was a lot of sitting, you know, a lot of cube work, a lot of office work, uh, sitting for, for eight hours, nine hours, going home, having a quick dinner, and then back to the office for another three or four hours. And so, you know, it's a lot of sitting and um, eating junky and then, you know, having some beer on the weekend or something. And it just put the weight on, you know. And um, now that uh, I'm out of the consulting world and, and I've got this other job and and it's it's a lot you know i traded some income for less stress and i and i'm happy with that and uh you know that's why i'm trying to do some other things too but you know can you know growing your own tomatoes that are you know pretty pretty darn organic and peppers and beans and lettuce and um you know uh, now onions and garlic and and you know, I can I can make my own salsa. I can make my own salad. I can make my own pesto. I can make my own. You know, I can make these things and make you know just a piece a chicken breast be something really fantastic. And it's healthy too. You know, and it's all moderation, of course. But um, you know, I can can that stuff, and then we've got it in the pantry. Hey, it's in the middle of winter, and I want to have some fresh salsa. Hey, the, or some canned salsa. There it is. I made that. You know, or some corn relish for my top of my salad. I I made that. You know. Um, it just it gives you um, it gives you a better option uh, to make just a, a bowlful of lettuce taste really 
really great. And then you have the satisfaction that you did that. You made that. And, and you're not going to die from botulism because I know I did it right, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it well, just let gives me, you a little different. It, it gives you a different perspective, I think. Well, let me ask you, did you yeah. – um, are you are your friends amazed at, at when you, um, you know, put a salad on the table and you say, oh, yeah, I grew most of this? Or, yeah. I mean – Absolutely, you know, and and a lot, I, it's interesting because I got a lot of people that you know will be somewhere with family and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, I read your site. That was really interesting," or you know, "Oh, yeah, I, I was looking at that. I'm going to try that." You know, um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a different feeling, you know. Well, you know, let me just um, I, and I'm I want to hear more about you know your connection to. Um, you found between gardening, improving your diet, and losing yeah. weight, weight, because I think I think there's um, really natural, you know, connections there. Mm-hmm. You know that if you are just going to the supermarket to buy some sort of packaged food that's been heavily processed, you know, we all know what's wrong with it. It's yep. too it's too salty. It's too sweet. Yep. It's got low quality fats in it. And, um, and it doesn't really taste that good, frankly, you know, I mean, frankly, if you've had, if you make real food and, and, and fresh in your kitchen, it's, it's going to beat the pants off of any kind of packaged food. I don't care what the, what the, um, the cost, you know? And so no wonder people, you know, um, get unhealthy when they're eating, you know, packaged foods and stuff like that. And and they don't really access, uh, fresh stuff. And then they, uh, Partly because they don't know how to cook it, and so then then it they, um, they buy it with good intentions, and then it's in the dumpster at the end of the week, right? Oh yeah. Where yeah. with a with a garden, you know, you're um, there's a certain excitement, and I know that sounds really stupid to someone no, that doesn't garden, um, but you go, what would be so exciting about like a couple kinds of lettuce and stuff? <laughs> and it's all like, hey, well, actually, it's really pretty cool that you make this whole salad, and and um, I, I got to tell you this little funny story about. Um, something that grows like a weed in our garden and perhaps in yours too and it's called purslane mm-hmm. and it's a low it's a low growing um you know kind of not leafy it it almost looks like a succulent or something yep and so we we used to like pull the thing out as a weed for many years and then, and then my wife discovered that this is actually an edible and it's super nutritious i mean it has like tons of omega 3 and all this other stuff so now it's all like we throw it in our salad and um and it was like wow this is cool it's like it grows really easily we don't have to replant it it comes back every year <laughs> And it's super nutritious, and um, you just kind of toss it in with whatever else yeah. you, you got growing. And um, so that, that's the fun of gardening is, you know, you discover something else that grows well in your particular microclimate and soil, mm-hmm. or you try something and it flops, yeah. you know, yep. and, um, or it, it's great one year and it flops the next year. Like, hey, what the heck happened? I you know. know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's kind of like hunting. It's not, you know, you're not catching. It's growing. It's hunting. It's fishing. You know, you, nothing's guaranteed. It, it just depends on the factors. And, and yeah, parsley. You know, I was just showing an article to my wife about that. It's like, remember this weed down there in Illinois? We had so much of this stuff. We could have ate it. It's crazy. <laughs> It's just nuts, uh, and I, I don't think I have much here now. Uh, we've got seem to have every other kind of weed under the sun, but uh, not that <laughs> one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, just make a salad, and it's got arugula in there, which has a different taste, and and the different kinds of lettuce, and maybe some uh, mustard, maybe maybe for fun you throw some basil in there, um, maybe maybe you throw some. Uh, I don't know, some broccoli leaves in there, you know, just to mix it up and uh, maybe slice up some kohlrabi. And, and uh, it just it, it just changes from just that boring 
plate of lettuce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How big is your garden? Do you have there that you have there? Uh, it's really small. Yeah. I mean, it's like we our our lot is really you know it's an old uh, lot from the the 40s. It's mm-hmm. like I think it's less than 4,000 square feet. You know, mm-hmm. and so um, it's not some large suburban lot. So my garden is or our garden is maybe 15 by. 16 sure. something like that you sure. know yep. um and there's a peach tree in one corner so ah. there's there's shade mm-hmm. which is okay because we grow stuff like strawberries and um nice. and, and chard and stuff that that's fine with the shade and then um and then the sunny part is for tomatoes and uh, scarlet runner beans lettuce uh you know all this other kind of stuff right. but i i will say if i sent you a photo um, I I am a very messy gardener. You know, I got I'm I'm really overcommitted. I'm over busy. Yep. And so um, I do care about the garden, but it's like I'm not gonna like pull out every you know like there's a lot of California poppies that, mm. that come up and um, I just leave them you know and yeah, I yeah. pull them out after they've seeded because I, I like it you know it's fine to have some flowers and it's mixed in there and it's a bit of a jungle. But um, and then other people prefer um, some of my friends prefer really neat, you know, raised beds and everything looks so tidy. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's the cover of organic gardening you've got. there. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but actually a, a messy garden, if 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 it's, you know, kind of thoughtfully planted and, and, and you got drip lines and stuff, it's yep. super productive. I mean, right. I don't have to do very much yeah. <laughs> to pull out a bunch of food. I just harvested some like red potatoes. Nice. And, um, which, you know, are sort of just volunteers. They just do their thing and, um, and nice. they don't really, they, you know, they don't trouble. They're, they're a different sort of, uh, species than, than the climbing stuff I have because I have a lot of buildings around me. I, it's a very oh, yeah. dense urban environment here in Berkeley. You know, most buildings are like, you know, three, four stories. So I don't really have a, a lot of, a, a lot of bright sun. Hmm. So you just, you, you work with what you got. Yep. That is, that is one of our core principles at Small Scale Life and Gardening is work with your resources, work with what you got. And, you know, I've only got, what, 130 square feet? I'm, again, uh, I've got, I'm a renter, number one, and, and I don't own this place, so I can't till up everything like Drew or, or Scott, uh, you know, on, on their urban gardening. But um, And I'm not ready for that yet either, but, you know, I've got 121 square feet, and it's, uh, or 130, I just ex- expanded. And, um you know, I'm doing. I'm kind of like the World War II where they had those funnies, you know, the funny weapons. I'm I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Like I put in some rain gutters, so I'm going vertical. Um, and I got some rain gutters. I put some soil in there, and I've got basil growing in it. Um, Great, I've got it works. Some, yeah, yeah, right. It does well. And I, we got a big maple out here, and I was like, man, every year I'm cleaning out le- dead leaves and propellers and trees. Well, we can grow some stuff in there. <laughs> so I've got – it's not on my house, but it's on a, a trellis that I'm not using. But I've got a couple gutter systems that are growing, gosh, a ton of basil, and it's thriving. It's doing well. Um, and I do have the raised bed, so it is it does look a little more neat and tidy. But, you know, I haven't put any wood chips down or any of that. So I do get weeds that pop up and stuff. But I'm not weeding in the beds, and that's, that's good. Uh, I've got a couple wicking beds, too, that's kind of interesting. They're on my driveway. So I don't have to even put them in the ground, and it's uh, there's some good experiments going on there. I've got peppers and cucumbers going there, a couple different varieties. So uh, we're going to see what happens with it. But uh, you know, the other thing was with the wicking wicking beds, I've got to be able to move them so it's not like they're full of soil. They're uh, they're actually dollar store baskets with soil in it, and uh, and I've got and the water just wicks up. Um, 
with a pond liner or some liner and and some sides, uh, you know, like a box with some liner in it. So it's it's a little different. It's it's uh, it's kind of funky. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you must get a lot of, of sun, you know, in the in the long days there. Yes, we do get some good sun. Yep. Except for the area where I have a lilac that's overgrown and it's shading out some of my a couple of my tomatoes but otherwise we get some really good stuff you bet so um what yeah. else do you um what else do you uh favor in terms of skills that are um small scale life oh man um well a big a big a big piece that i'm focused on is the weight loss piece get myself healthy and uh, lose that weight that i gained in my 30s so that's a big piece of it you know, trying to eat healthy, have a more healthy lifestyle. Another thing that uh, we really focused on is debt, you know, debt reduction and elimination of debt. And that's a piece that we need to really start expanding on because there's a lot of people that just are up to their eyeballs in debt, you know. And we've looked at, like, the Dave Ramsey system and, and really trying to, you know, live within your means, live on cash, not use a credit card, you know, cut those things up, um, you know, so really, really – you know, the personal finance um, side of it. Um, and we haven't really gotten into that yet, but we will be. Um, we've just been kind of bogged down. And the gardening side, and then having some fun. You know, part of the weight loss thing is getting out and doing some things like kayaking. Love to kayak, so I've been working that into workouts. Canoeing, we did that the other day. You know, getting out for walks and doing that kind of stuff. So that's really kind of what we're looking at. Um, you know, skills, boy. Gardening and canning and food preservation takes up a lot of the spare time plus the blogging and other things. So that's kind of my my wheelhouse. But my wife has a small business. You know, she's a wedding floral. Uh, she has a wedding floral business, and we're really trying to make that profitable as well. It's kind of all up in the frugal living and debt reduction kind of piece. So yeah, no, it's and it's all um, just listening to you describe it. It it, it seems to me it's all related. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe I'm um, applying. Uh, you know, my own biases in life <laughs> sure. to, to see the connections between all of that. But um, once again, I go back to the old models that were uh, that were uh, sort of uh, default or average mm-hmm. in, in the early 20th century, say, where people were more self-reliant. And yes. so having a garden was, you know, sort of normal. And um, having your own business or having a side business yes. uh, was also pretty typical. Um, and being extremely frugal was also the norm. In other words, the idea that you'd go out to eat that, at a restaurant, this was like a maybe once a year super yeah. occasion. Um, eating fast food? Are you kidding? I mean, yeah. you, you know, you might be able to steal a dime or borrow one from your sibling or something and go get some French fries at McDonald's. But this was like a super rare trip. I mean, and, and um, same with ice cream and all these things that people take for granted today that all of that stuff is like was super luxurious. Right. And so it just was off was off the menu and people didn't borrow money for anything. They scrimped yeah. and saved and bought a car cash. Yep. Except for they might buy a house, right? And and of course, back in um, even as late as um, you know the eighties, um, it, it it you didn't have to uh, borrow hundreds of thousands of yes. dollars, right? <laughs> right. Uh, this is exactly how I grew up. Yeah. You know, I mean, we did yeah. not go out to eat very much, and uh, even though my dad was in sales and everything, we didn't. You know, he had to take out clients and everything. But it, us as a family, it was a rare treat where we did that. And yeah, um, I mean, they bought their house contract for deed. And, I mean, they're in real estate and everything as well. And um, you know, it was a different 
different way, you know, a, a different way of living. And we drove older cars and, and all those things. And uh, that's just the way we rolled. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the thing is, is we've we've sort of as, as a culture, America, I think, has been sucked into um, – something that a kind of lifestyle or expectations mm-hmm. that are actually self-destructive yeah. um and of course it's the siren song of cheap credit is um you know that enriches the banks right mm-hmm. i mean duh. I mean, we all know that absolutely so it's not like some sort of um uh it, it's not something that just happened and there's no self-interest involved of course there's um the financial sector of the united states has grown from uh, in terms of the profits of, mm-hmm. of of corporate America, you know, the financial sector used to provide about four or five percent of all profits, and now it's more like it's between sixteen and twenty five percent. So, the size of the financial sector in, in the United States economy is like between tripled and quadrupled in terms of its influence and its the profits it generates. And so, and where do where do all those profits come from? Well, it's us. Well, <laughs> bank, yeah, bank fees for sure, late yep. fees and all that stuff. But most of it's interest on on debt. Yes, it is. And so, um, and and one of the things I I mention, and um, there's a lot of of political uh, issues around uh, around immigration. Yes. And um, I don't want to go into that, and I don't really have strong opinions, except you know, immigration is part of our history, and it mm-hmm. should be legal, and the legal immigration should be separate from illegal immigration. I mean, you know, yeah, that, absolutely. That's, it seems pretty self-evident to me. But Self-evident, it, yeah. <laughs> but what I, because we get a lot of immigrants, mostly legal, I mm-hmm. think, here in California, um, I, I, I can witness firsthand, and we know from some of our friends um, who are uh, first generation or second generation, you know, that they're the kids of the of their immigrant parents, that immigrant families will pay off the mortgage in four or five years. Yes, yes. They, and, and, and it's just like, um, wait a minute, that's not possible in, mm-hmm. in the typical American thinking. Um, and, yeah, if if you think that saving 1% or 2% of your paycheck is a great thing or if you were able to save 5%, you'd be, like, just doing incredibly well, where, like, right. an immigrant family, it's like 50% right. Right. Of, of net is saved or applied to the mortgage. And all if there's two teenagers and, and both parents, all four people are working every minute they can and applying every dollar of after-tax income to the mortgage. And that's how you liquidate it in four or five years. And then and then you've got um, opportunities now that you don't have a mortgage. Oh, now God. you can invest in a small business. Yes. You can start accumulating capital. Mm. And, um, of course, it requires immense sacrifices. I mean, yes. this is not like, oh, well, this is going to be easy. It's like, no, no. no. Really it hard. Requires, and, and, and the same thing with losing weight and staying fit, you know, like um, – and, you know, I – I, I like to write about fitness, and I and I I'll tell you quite frankly that it's um, something I enjoy. So it's mm-hmm. not like a, a terrible burden to me to stay fit. I, I've just got used to it, you know, and yeah. um, and so it, it feels like um, something wrong if I can't get out and walk or bicycle or take a run or whatever. But um, you know, I, I it's it's like uh, I set a pretty high standard for myself, and mm-hmm. I try to share that with readers, not to like. Um, brag about what I've accomplished because I'm not a, I'm not a terrific athlete. I'm really mediocre. I mean, I was mediocre in high school and I'm still mediocre. Okay. It's like, you know, I was a bench warmer and I'm still would be the bench warmer. But, uh, but the, the the point is there's a lot that we can control and and diet and 
fitness and what we eat and what we cook and and um that's something we can control mm-hmm. and that's um you know we all know that you know as an abstraction but in in the real world it's like um well i'll tell you my standard which is the armed fitness the armed forces um you know entrance exam sure. it's basically a simple test of fitness like what how you do on the two mile run yep. and how many push-ups and sit-ups can you do and yeah. um i think it's two minutes but uh, something like that each and so um and they have this whole chart that i've posted on my site many times or you can go look at it mm-hmm. through a web search um the army physical fitness test or what yes. i think it's called and and you it's broken out by uh, by a gender and and age so if you're yep. like a 55 year old woman you can look at what how you do or a 55 year old guy or 40 whatever and i think it i think the the test ends at 62 and i'm uh. 62 so <laughs> I, from now on i'm going to have to kind of um You'll have to figure that out, the curve. Make, a, out. Yeah, yeah. make an estimate of it. Yep. And so, um, and, and I, I realize that's pretty rigorous for, for a lot of people, but um, it's, it's, um, it's doable and it's something that you don't need a lot of equipment. You don't need a gym membership. I mean, there's, you know, it's like you don't need any, any money at all mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to become fit. And actually, right. if you decide to start eating really well, you're actually going to save a whole lot of money because you're going to yes. be eating less and you're going to be not wasting stuff. Right. And you're not going to be buying packaged, you know, garbage. Right, right. And um, I don't, I don't think it's that hard to get rid of all packaged foods. Frankly, we don't, we don't eat any packaged foods at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, why, why bother when it's almost as quick to make something, you know, from your garden, you right. know, or from your canned goods? So, yeah, um, and that's and that's something that uh, that I had started early. I had a grow your greens challenge. Excuse me, and I was going to try to uh, grow as much salad. Yeah, you know, I've got you know with my oldest home. I mean, he eats a massive salad. I mean, he's a fitness freak. Um, <laughs> That's I, great. <laughs> I mean, he sh- he he was the top of the division in on the armed forces test. I mean, he runs a five minute mile or less and uh, just push ups and pull ups and you know, sit ups like crazy. And um, he eats <laughs> massive amounts of salad, and we That's eat great. big amounts of salad too. So I was. Um, my plan was to grow as much. See if I could see if I could knock that off of our list, our grocery list. Um, that kind of went on the wayside here as I was getting everything going. But I've got to get back to that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get going on that um, here in July. Uh, I've got a plan. So yes, uh, I agree. I mean, if you can knock some of that off your list and eat healthier, um, get the exercise in. You know, just moving around the garden, you burn you're burning calories. You know, I mean. Um, you know, and you're lowering your blood pressure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Tom, let me ask you a question. What, what do you find your listeners want to want to know more about, or or that they want you to um, go back and 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 talk more about? You know, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I did, um, I'll talk just p- podcast wise. Um, we had just looking at the analytics, really good response to, I had a, a podcast on sustainable living. You know, what is this, this sustainable life? And that's uh, a question I asked myself and kind of answered it. What, what I saw as a st- sustainable life for me. Um, and then Drew and Scott putting those two guys on, oh, people just, it was amazing. You know, they really, um, people really responded to those two, to those two guys. Um, and then I talked about, um, you know, I kind of went into a little bit of a rut and, and uh, kind of talked about that. Um, those those podcasts did very well. 
Um, I find that people are really tuning in to when I throw something up on gardening. Um, my small-scale gardening blog is still there, and that does really well. They're really interested in these these funky wicking beds that I built, um, and people really want to know about that. And, and this one I built this year is even easier to construct. Um, doesn't really require any special tools or anything. Um, just a just a drill and some screws and some liner. You're good, you know, and some wood, of course. But um, you know, those are the kind of things that people are really, <clears throat> really interested in. Um, I do have a group that's interested in the fitness thing because they want to see if this guy can lose some weight. Um, but really, the 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 gardening community is fantastic. They really um, they're really good people. Um, and they really um, they follow me a lot on Twitter, um, and they'll interact on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, they're really, uh, you know, they're really good people, and uh, they want us. They're interested in, in you know how things are going, and, and are these funky things working? You know, um, that's what I'm finding. Well, that's that's interesting because it um, it brings up a topic that we. Uh, discussed very briefly before we started recording which was the the networking yeah uh consequences or the the positive yes. potential of networking in the internet age where we um can can learn so much more so much uh more quickly yes uh by by tapping into these networks um of people that we may never meet in in real life but nonetheless we are simpatico with or we share an interest and we can share information with. And oh, so, yeah. yeah, what works for you um, in your microclimate is going to be of, of great interest to people who might share that microclimate. Right. I mean, um, or if you've got, you know, really heavy clay soil like I do, hey, if you've got some some uh, things that have worked really well for you in that soil, like, yeah, I want to know too. Or, or um, in my case, I'm manufacturing all my own soil from compost and uh, vermiculite. And maybe a little peat moss, but I, I don't know, a mixed bag on peat moss. I think uh, some of the, you know, there's some other things that are better. But, um, you know, I manufacture all my own soil because I do have clay. I mean, not all black dirt is, a, is, is alike, right? It might look yeah. it might look good, but it's really clay and it hardens up like a rock. So I make all my own soil. And, uh, you know, and, and some of these things, these funnies that I'm building, um, you can scale that. I'm, a, I'm an apartment and I don't, I don't, I can't put a, two by eight piece thing in there but i can make a one by four and have herbs growing in there and it's all wicking i don't have to go out there every day and water it because it's taking water as it needs it you know um that that's kind of the thought i had is there's a lot of renters out here and they're eating junk and maybe maybe they can use that balcony for something else other than storing a you know some of their extra gear you know maybe they can grow something right there in the in the on the balcony yeah, and it's it's interesting that you mentioned that urban uh, gardening because um, you know there's been a lot of fairly large scale studies um, that have found that um, back in the day, you know, before mm-hmm. um, big trucks dropped all the packaged food at the supermarket and the freezer, <laughs> <laughs> that um, your your city, your your old cities. Um, grew like 50 plus percent of all their own food within the city boundaries. Wow. And um, this was just little plots like yours and mine, uh-huh. um, little, you know, people that had a few geese or a few chickens. Sure. And um, and nowadays, uh, a lot of people are, are doing really good work on these vertical gardens, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you're 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 discussing on a on a smaller scale where you right. can use um, old gutters and stuff. And um, other people have more elaborate oh, yeah. uh, things where there's, a, you know, a whole wall basically of stuff. Sure. sure. Absolutely. Uh, 
so the, I think that if we talk about a sustainable life, it's um, it's amazing the impact that uh, small scale gardens can have in an urban or suburban environment um, if if they're uh, productive and and if they're encouraged. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and you know, part of it too is you know not only to show some people these crazy methods, but maybe to inspire them too. I mean, this stuff, it's not hard, you know, (laughs) you just have to get a little time, a little bit of dirt, get a little messy and, and see what happens. You know, I mean, stuff, it's amazing what you can grow in a weird container. I mean, you know, even a, an old plastic uh, meat container from like Sam's club or Costco, where you get your lunch meat, you can drill some holes in that and, you know, or put some soil in it and grow some basil. You know, it it doesn't take a, a, a million dollars of, of material to, to make something grow. It really doesn't. No, and and um, stuff like mint. I mean, it's oh, actually a, it's actually a weed, it's right? A I weed. Mean, <laughs> so so you want to grow that in a pot because otherwise it'll take over your whole yard. Yes, um, I've got a spot of wild mint, and it's it goes like crazy. I've already had one harvest, and it's coming back. It got mad at me. So <laughs> rhubarb yeah, is another one, but you got to have more soil for that. <laughs> Yeah, and so you know, let's let's um, talk a little bit. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I I know you kind of kicked off with talking. You were starting to get in a little bit about networking and and that kind of thing. Is that where you were going to go, or did you did you want to go somewhere else? No, it's uh, we can talk about that. I I was just going to talk about the ask you about the psychological benefits of of gardening. We did oh. kind of mention that already, mm-hmm. uh, but um, you know, there's there's just not a lot of sources of of respite and. Um, no nurturing in, in no. American life. You know, there's a lot of pressure on people, financial, emotional. And so that's one thing that I don't know that um, most people uh, that don't garden, they may, they may not understand just how um, nurturing it is for the human soul. And I know that yeah. sounds rather grandiose, but I, I think it's true. I think it's true as well. I mean, it's you intentionally have to slow down and, you know, you taking some time just to look around hey is that weed thing how's that plant doing over there hey look at that i got a new tomato awesome and you know it just you need to it slows you down and um you know we're just i think there's a study that just came out that said we have the attention span of a goldfish you know um this will <laughs> this will slow you down a little bit you know and, and you're not looking at your phone unless you're taking pictures for instagram like i do but um or for the blog but um you know it slows you down and and you can breathe a little bit and you know, when you water your tomatoes, you, you can smell that aroma of the tomatoes. It's like the tomatoes going, yay, I'm, I'm getting a nice, awesome drink, you know. And uh, it's just, it's it's different. It's, it's, uh, it is kind of a, that Zen thing I was talking about earlier. Just the slowing down is key. Yes, I, I think so too. And um, it's, it's interesting that you, you were, uh, when we mentioned networking, that what mm-hmm. we're, Although we're talking about a digital network, right? Yes. But it's about a real-world topic, and oh, I think yeah. I think that's the power. If 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 we're just talking about a network where we're um, dealing with abstractions like political biases or uh, you know rants or the latest opinion piece by mm. some pundit or whatever, yep. the value of that is 
let's face it is near zero right and yes. um and that and so the we have to limit our our exposure to that kind of crazy making stuff which doesn't really add any value to our life and it doesn't really create any solutions either right, right. i mean very rarely i mean how often do you come across a piece on the web in which somebody lays out a solution that's um, practical, realistic, mm-hmm. um, breaks new ground, you know, or is yeah. it just another rehash of the same old, um, you know, Tweedledum and Tweedledee kind of political system we, we live in? And right. it's like, well, that, that's got no value. So if we're going to, if we're creating networks to tie people like Drew mm-hmm. into a new audience or, or to connect Drew with other people who, you know, are also interested in actually making money off of urban right. gardening. Then it's like, wow, this is an incredible resource. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and Drew knows a lot of people. I know other people who are more on the gardening side. You know, if we can come together, and then he knows some people that are making tools. Well, maybe some of my people want, might want to know the, about those tools too. Um, and then Curtis Stone writes a new book, and then you've got something on your pies. You know, hey, let's share all this stuff, and uh, you know, we'll shake it all up and see what what settles out. And um, you know, if you look at you know, we're up, what, $20 trillion in debt. I mean, this stuff, it's not sustainable. And at some point, something weird is going to happen, and we're going to need to lean on each other a little bit. Hey, you know, you got some seeds? Yeah, you got this? Yeah, okay, let's let's share it, you know? I mean, um, you know, the, the the electronic network is great, but you also, I think, you got to have the, the local, you know, right around you, the your neighbors and, and some other people in your same town that are on in your network as well, you know, in that tribe. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I was going to sort of make a slight joke, which is you also need a network of people to dump your um, excess on because, you know, <laughs> when it goes out of control and you've got like huge zucchini oh, or you yeah. know, your, your tomatoes are um, more than you can handle <laughs> or, or in my like scarlet runner beans I yeah. mean, when it starts producing i um i'm i'm desperately you know finding friends who who i know cook because i mean <laughs> and frankly not many people do i know i know that's what's sad i mean it's like it's it's rare to find somebody who actually knows how to knows their way around a kitchen and actually cooks like raw vegetables <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah and so um but that's another that's another network a distribution network yes. so that you can you can um, have your excess um eaten instead of just you know, rotting somewhere. So, um, yeah. And, and of course I think the inspirational part you mentioned is also, mm-hmm. uh, and because it may not be, maybe it's only one person in 10 that yeah. you give something to that you grew in the garden and, and maybe they're sparked or they're, they have an interest and go, wow, this, you, you grew this, like how, how, how hard was that? And you go, right. well, really not that hard. Right. Right. And Curtis, Curtis Stone talks about that quite a bit where he, you know, he's in that urban area up in Canada, and people just walked by. And he, he said there was one guy who didn't speak any English, but he was a farmer from, like, Syria or somewhere. And they couldn't really talk to each other, but he was so interested in what Curtis was doing. And, you know, Curtis brought him in and showed him all kinds of stuff, and he was just so thankful that, you know, it wasn't – they didn't have language, but they could talk – they could look at this plant and say, wow, that's great, you know, or – you know, whatever they were saying to each other. But, uh, you know, it's a it's a universal thing that we can all tie into. I mean, everybody's got to eat, right? So, <laughs> yeah. And um, and uh, one of my first exposures to gardening outside of our family, uh-huh. you know, yard was um, uh, when I was in college in in, um, in Honolulu, Hawaii, then um, the city uh, started. This was in the early 70s. So, it was, you know, at, at the kind of 
early stages of the uh, community garden oh, yeah. uh, movement. And mm-hmm. um, so if you were an urban dweller and you lived in an apartment um, and you didn't have any yard, which I didn't at the time, then sure. you could uh, just sign up and get a little plot. Uh, probably, I think it was probably, you know, literally 10 by 10 or something yep. like that. And, and you'd be in a, in a position to learn from other people around you. Oh, yeah. and, and, and it was a tremendous experience. Um, and so there's, there's those kinds of things that the community can get involved and actually make this possible, you know, and, and um, make it more fun. Oh, yeah. And we've got them here in the Twin Cities. But I can tell you uh, there's one just a little, a couple miles away, and it had a waiting list uh, about seven years long. It was ridiculous. Uh, they just expanded, and they, they got some more people in. But, boy, these are really popular here in the Twin Cities, and they're they're booked up. It's tough to find them which is an opportunity if somebody's got a spare lot and they want to do it on their own, I imagine, and bring some people in. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is something Drew's interested in, too, is that, um, you know, in, 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 in some really uh, poverty-stricken neighborhoods without a lot of economic development going on, then there's a few uh, few of the residents who've taken up gardening and, mm-hmm. and really uh, shown the potential for um, – people that might not have that many um, employment opportunities right. to actually start growing their own food and their health improves and they've got something to sell. And, you know, it's kind of like, hey, this is win, 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 yes. you know? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> There's a uh, place in Minneapolis called Urban Ventures, and they have an incredible um, hoop house with aquaponics in it. And, and they have great greenhouse and a, a garden, and it's on an old rail corridor where a big bike trail is. And I went uh, we had a basketball tournament right there, and I just stopped by because I always, for the past couple of years, been scoping it out. And some people were actually there. It was a food scientist who runs the, the operation, and she's like, yeah, I'm having trouble. I've got this whole hoop house full of lettuce ready to go. I can't find I, – I can't get it out to the people fast enough. And I'm like, wow, we really need to do a marketing project on that or figure out a way to connect with the community. I mean, you're right in it, but you're not – in it you know you're not able to give it away so it just rots there in the corner um really kind of a sad story but uh so it reminds me i need to write an article about that i'm always seeking ways for people to find some way to add to their income or create a livelihood uh they might not have might not have seen just you know looking at you know help wanted ads or you know monster.com or something right and so um and this is something Drew is exploring, and um, and, and uh, I'm always interested to hear what he's found out about it. Which is, you know, the not just the farm to table, um, sure. you know, through through like uh, uh, farmers markets and so on, which is one excellent movement, but also supplying restaurants which can afford to pay, you know, if not a premium, at least a, a fair price for mm-hmm. um, stuff that's grown right there in the city. And um, so there's there's money-making opportunities and um as as traditional employment opportunities decline which i think is 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 extremely likely i think it is too we're already seeing like a a great stagnation if you will of Mm -hmm. of um of uh all kinds of of jobs but in particular um low-skilled jobs are being automated or And so uh, Drew was just telling me in the podcast, and I know that you you know this because you listened to it, sure. but he was you know he was able to make a couple hundred dollars a week, which yeah. is pretty fair money in most parts of the United States on a like really part time basis while he was holding down his his regular job. Right. Yep. 
Yeah, and and uh, you know these vertical garden gardens uh, with the rain gutters. Uh, there's a guy up in Montreal, Canada, where I got the idea. He's making, um, gosh, what was it, a hundred dollars per foot, some ridiculous amount of money, and he's growing a ridiculous amount of food. But um, you know, this is all in his backyard. He's attached to chain link fences, and he's built these little scaffolding pieces and he's just he's growing so much food and he's selling it and he's making hundreds of dollars per foot linear foot of gutter it's it's really pretty amazing (laughs) what he's doing up there and curtis is doing the same thing and again no degree you know we don't have a degree degree and i've got an engineering degree i don't have any in gardening or or drew doesn't or curtis doesn't or even khalid up in montreal he doesn't have a degree in this it was kind of trial and error and and figure it out as you go along you know even with this blogging thing you i'm sure you didn't have a degree in blogging you just kind of started and uh got it going (laughs) right right and um that's one of my by words is um you know acquire skills not credentials Mm -hmm. that you know credentials have their place but what people really want um is skills yes, uh, because absolutely. because credentials are like everything else. They've, it's like grade inflation. Oh, yeah. and I, I mean, everybody's got a credential or multiple, you know, advanced degrees and stuff. And so then pretty soon it's like what, you know, frankly, you, a high school education was perfectly adequate preparation for some right. job. Now you need a college degree. Oops, now there's somebody with oh. a master's degree claiming they're going to be better at something that a high school student can do. And so, um, yeah, what, what we want is real skills, yes. uh, and the credentials are secondary, really. And oh, um, there's, yeah, yeah. I was going to say in civil engineering, in my profession uh, of of choice, <laughs> um, they have done this. It's like architecture; they've decided, hey, the architects have it right, which I think they have it completely wrong, and they want everyone to get a master's degree to become a professional engineer. And I'm like, well. A, a, a master's degree does not help me CAD a building or a bridge or a track structure faster. It doesn't help me do construction management any better. It doesn't help me write this paper any faster. Why the heck do I need a master's degree for that? I can do this just with hard work and putting my nose to the grindstone. I don't need an extra piece of paper for a license that's going to cost me more, thousands of dollars for, for a wage that's tied to a public wage. I, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that. But Right, right. It, it, it has the feel of like a cartel, yes. you know, that's demanding more and more of our time and money for like really no output, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and especially for being a PE, like a, a, an engineer, you, you know, you had to pass a licensing exam. Oh. So come on. I mean, that's that's really the what we want is prove that you have the knowledge and skills needed to do the work. OK, done. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and I had to I had to work four years under a PE before I could take that test. So it wasn't just a, a you know, a mulligan gimme. You know, it was uh, you had to work for it, you know, and you had to study. And I. And I'll admit it. I had to take it twice. I mean, I, I missed it by one point the first time, and I had to take it again, and it, it, it was devastating. But I did it, you know. <laughs> it's, it's just another hoop that some agency set up for you to jump through. <clears throat> yeah, right, right. And, um, you know, I, I guess I can – I'm not uh, – I don't want to mention one of my books because it, it sounds like a plug, like, you know, buy my no, book. That's, but... No, that's fine. I think you should. I mean, why not? <laughs> I, go for it. It's just – this well, is free market, man. Do it. <laughs> uh, well, I, I wanted to mention that in my book, like yeah. a, a radically beneficial world, which was the one before yes. why our status quo failed and it's beyond reform. It's called um, a radically beneficial world, automation, technology and creating jobs for all. Yeah. And, and, and the, the reason why I want to bring it up in the context of our discussion is 
you know, we all know that automation and, and advancements in software and robotics, so those are real, you know, yes. and, and we know that costs are rising, so it becomes harder and harder for employers yes. to to hire more people because it's like, well, this is going to really, this is going to cost me a fortune. You know, their healthcare, you know, healthcare is like a thousand a month um, or more. It can be almost as much as the person's salary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so those issues aren't, are really hard to solve. And um, my idea in the book was, you know, the same thing we're talking about here with um, networks and community groups and tribes mm-hmm. is what if that was the basis of a, of a, of an economy that, that sort of was ran or operated in parallel with the system we have? In other words, what do we do with people who can't find a place in, in the market economy we have now? And, and right now the, our, uh, the general view is, well, we throw them on the trash pile. Right. Or some people dream of, well, let's give everybody a guaranteed um, income. The income, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and of course, that's just another way of throwing them on the trash pile because right. you're not really giving them what they would like or want, which is like a, a role, a positive social role, a, 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 an opportunity to contribute, um, have have work that has meaning and purpose. And so um, I, I, I'm kind of proposing that I think we, we – could develop such a system hmm. and you can call it the community-based economy or or there's lots of different things that we can you know words we can use to describe it but sure. the bottom line is there's a whole lot of work at the local level that isn't profitable for someone like google or 3m right. to come in and do right and, and so that work doesn't get done and 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 then if we're just going to give people free money then it's also not going to get done mm-hmm. so actually our communities suffer um, because there's a lot of work that's productive and would be positive, but there's no money to pay anybody. And um, because that takes a special grant and there's a lot of competition and then you've got oversight. So out of a, a million-dollar grant, only 400000 actually goes to the, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the project. And then if we had to borrow the million dollars, then we're paying $2 million in interest. And, and so there's a lot of constraints on, on doing stuff that makes sense. And so um, I propose that we, um, we create a new currency, which is not uh, issued by any government or any central bank. And, um, and the currency would be then used to pay for people to do stuff that's useful in the community. Interesting. I think they tried something like this uh, with the collapse down in Central America, one of the states down there, where they had, okay, you come into the market and you've got your own local currency and this is how you trade and barter and, and do the things there, correct? It, it, like yeah. Argentina or something like that ran some, ran some, some of the markets there, I think? Yeah, there's been a lot of ex- ex- kind of experiments yeah. over the decades around the world where people issued, they call it local script. Yep. And um, I, I propose a, a, a little bit more sophisticated uh, currency, which is digital, more sure. like uh, more like Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yep. So, so that it can be global. In mm-hmm. other words, so that the same system would work. Um, in Southeast Asia or or, um, or Africa or the States or South America, I mean, everywhere that anybody set up some, this kind of community um, group or mm-hmm. community economy, they'd all be getting the same currency. And so then it would, it would create the potential for potential global market where if you had seeds, maybe you could sell them to some – somebody in, in, in um, Latin America mm-hmm. who had an interest in that. It's, it's, um, it's admittedly um, idealistic, and it, it's a proposal that may or may not ever come to light. But I, I, I wanted to describe how 
you know, to me, it seems self-evident that there's a lot of people that could be productive and would like to be productive, but the current um, arrangement of our economy is um, sort of limits their their access to to, to um, education, um, market, uh, capital, you know, all this stuff that's um, that's part of uh, of what you need to um, develop a business, or and that if we could provide the capital and the um, the knowledge that's available in these networks we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Then we could do a lot more, and um, we could make better use of the people that that are unemployed or, or um, uh, what do they call it, underemployed. Underemployed, yeah. We've got right. what ninety five million in this country that are right now uh, underemployed or out of the workforce, and uh, you know what are those folks doing? And and, it's, and it's, yeah, and sadly, many of them are doing drugs or they're really unhappy. They're on antidepressants. They're not happy. You know, no. like getting. Getting getting a, a guaranteed welfare check from the government doesn't make you happy. Actually, no. it sort of ta- it sort of uh, detracts from your life because it takes away your your will to seek um, seek purpose. But um, yes, it's really sad. Yes, and it's funny. I never I don't read anybody who who, who goes out and sees these people or talks to people and goes, "This are you really happy because you're on welfare?" And it's all like, no, actually, they're not happy. Right. And um, we could, we 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 owe those people a lot more, and we we would benefit ourselves if we if we offered them, um, you know, paid work and and an opportunity to contribute and join a community group that could be like their tribe. In other words, they're they're contributing, and their life has purpose. So, anyways, I know that sounds like some sort of soapbox, but um, no, it's really not. I mean, that's a that's an interesting. Um perspective because i've heard some people argue for the men come before and you know this is going to free us up to be more creative and blah 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 but but it doesn't work out that way it's not human nature you know it's uh you know i'm getting this thing and great and that just means i don't have to do anything more <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's not it's 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 against the kind of how we're programmed we get used to that you know and uh and we get a little sloppy sometimes you know yeah, I think, I think yeah. having a purpose. Yeah, I mean, you see this re- with retirees all the time. They retire, and suddenly, six months later, they're dead because That's they right. had a purpose. They were going to work. They were solving the world's problems, or they were moving freight, or they were making, you know, harvesting in the field, or whatever. They were selling shoes, but they had a purpose. And uh, people need a purpose. A person needs a purpose. You know. Yeah, and I, maybe I'll end my my contributions as as uh, paltry as they've been to this conversation <laughs> by saying that you know one of my purposes in life is my trees need me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can be depressed or bummed out or tired, but my trees need me to do certain things for them, and I'll yeah. drag myself over there because darn it, you know, there's nobody else to do it, and the trees need me. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well. Everybody's got to have a purpose, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so gardening gives us purpose because Absolutely we like does. to eat what we grow, and yeah. uh, and it's fun. Oh, it's very fun, and and get creative and try new things and new new tastes. And sometimes it doesn't work, but that's but that's half the fun too, you know. Well, yes. th- um, did you have anything else? Uh, I will have copies of our links to your uh, to your books in the uh, in the show notes, and of course the blog and and. Um, yeah, I, I will have links to all that stuff in the show notes. Um, is there anything else that that you wanted to ask, or anything else that you wanted to share? No, I think I think we covered a lot of a lot of ground, and I just um, I'm always happy to um, talk small scale gardening yeah. with another gardener because yeah. it's like it's kind of like if you don't 
do it, then you know you can't really appreciate um, all the kind of dumb sounding stuff we we talk about <laughs> and 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 have such fun talking about. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Hand watering, yeah. <laughs> Drew, you yeah. got drip systems. You're awesome. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, you know, you never stop learning. That's no. what's amazing. You can try something else or you read something or um, you, you want to try growing a new a new vegetable or, or you try, you know, you plant a fruit tree and see how that goes. And right. so um, it's, um, it's really the, you know, people talk about the purpose-driven life or the goal-driven yeah. life. I mean, gardening and, and fitness and eating um, yep. well are all connected into that. So uh, it's all good. Absolutely. No, and and I appreciate you being on the show. And, and again, if you ever want to be on the show to talk about another book or your fruit trees or, you know, your purpose, I would be happy to have you on. It's You've been a great guest. I really enjoyed our conversation. I learned a lot from you too, Tom, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to look at your photos of your wicking beds. Ah, well, I'll have an article coming up pretty quick because uh, now that the cat's out of the bag, I better put it up. But I, I do have them on Instagram and, and a Facebook page. But you know what? I can put them in that Facebook page for of two minds that you never go to and uh, in the group. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's all good. Um, but I, I know where you are. I'll share some pictures with you. So Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for being on the Small Scale Life Podcast. It's been my pleasure, Tom. Thank you very much. Great. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And remember, continue to learn, do, and grow. We'll catch you next time.